All right. Thank you for Jim for remembering that. I'm always uh, worried I'm going to forget to send out those kids, probably because I often do forget to send out those kids. So that's a, a valid concern. How's everybody doing today? Good? Good. All right. Sounds good. October 20th. 2004, who remembers what happened on that day? Some people that weren't alive on that day might remember what happened. Somebody's nodding. All right, Gary remembers. So on October 20th, 2004, that was game seven of the ALCS, the American League Championship Series for the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox had gone down three to one to the dreaded New York Yankees, and they had come back 3-0, I'm sorry. It, yeah, my bad, my bad. Thank you. 3-0. Uh, to zero. They didn't catch that in the first service, so good job, Caleb. Uh, they'd come back to tie the series 3-3. Three to three. The Red Sox ended up winning game 7-10-3. One of the heroes of that game was Johnny Damon. Through the first six games of the series, Damon had gone three for 29 from the plate. So for those of you that aren't baseball fans, I'll just tell you that is not good. That is terrible. In game seven, he hit two home runs, including a grand slam. Now, if Damon's baseball career had ended after that night, he would still be remembered fondly by Red Sox fans. If he had been caught using steroids to cheat, few would hold it against him. Damon didn't retire or do steroids, though. He did something that forever tarnished his legacy with Red Sox fans. On December 20th, 2005, about a year after he was a hero, he signed a contract with the New York Yankees. One of the most beloved figures in Red Sox history went to play for another team, but not just any other team. He went to play for the New York Yankees. Many who had cheered for Damon felt betrayed by his decision. That's the focus of today's sermon, betrayal. Anybody who has ever been betrayed by someone they love can, can tell you how painful it is. It brings up questions of whether or not the betrayer ever really cared. Were they just pretending the whole time? Betrayal is devastating. The closer a person is, the more it hurts. People respond to that hurt in different ways. Anger is the most common feeling. Red Sox fans certainly felt anger at Johnny Damon. Today's verses tell the story of Judas's betrayal of Jesus and Jesus' response to being betrayed. If you'd please turn with me now to Luke chapter 22. We're going to start out in verse 47 and read through verse 53. That's on page 829 if you're using the Pew Bible. Luke chapter 22, 
beginning in verse 47, hear the word of the Lord. While Jesus was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike him with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. The scene recorded in these verses is disturbing. Part of my job when we are looking at a more familiar passage of Scripture is to help us see it through fresh eyes. Imagine being one of the disciples who witnessed this scene firsthand. You just got woken up by Jesus. It's the middle of the night. You start to hear voices. You're still groggy. There's a crowd coming. Where's my sword? Are we being attacked? As they come, you see Judas leading the crowd. Does that mean everything is okay? You know him. That must mean everything is okay. Then Judas greets Jesus with a kiss, and you realize what is happening. Judas' betrayal is hard to comprehend. He has been a member of Jesus' inner circle from the beginning. Jesus and his disciples, they weren't just co-workers. They weren't just work friends. They spent every waking moment together. In the morning, they woke up in the same room or around the same campfire. Meals were taken together. Judas was the treasurer for the group. He handled the money. He was in a trusted position. He had seen all the things the other disciples had seen. All those times Jesus taught Judas had a front row seat. He was there for the Sermon on the Mount. He probably would have heard it many times as Jesus traveled around giving the same teaching. Not only was Judas present for all Jesus' public teaching, he was privy to all the private conversations. Judas had seen all the miracles. When the 5,000 were fed, he was one of the ones passing out the baskets and taking up the leftovers. Jesus calmed the stormy sea right before his eyes. Demons were cast out in his presence. When Lazarus rose from the grave at Jesus' command, Judas was there. Judas, the same guy who had been with Jesus for three years, is the same guy who walks up to him, leading 
a mob to betray Jesus with a kiss. You can't get much lower than this. His actions are premeditated. This didn't just happen. Judas got everything worked out ahead of time with the religious leaders. He was paid for his services. Today, the 30 pieces of silver Judas was paid would be worth about $200. At the time, it was probably worth about a month's pay, somewhere in the neighborhood of $3,000. Judas used his insider knowledge. The mob he leads, they don't know where to find Jesus. On their own, they probably would have had a hard time figuring out which one Jesus was. After all, it was pitch dark outside. Judas knows why those he leads want Jesus. They want Jesus dead. Judas is aware that those who paid him want Jesus taken at night so as not to stir up the crowds in the temple that would defend him. There is a reason Judas is not a popular name. Nobody wants to name their kid after a traitor. It is the same reason Benedict is still not a popular name in the United States. Most Americans don't even remember what Benedict Arnold did in his betrayal of the United States. They just remember he was a traitor. And nobody wants to be associated with a traitor. Judas is in a legendary category of villain. The same guy that followed Jesus around for three years is the same guy who handed him over to be crucified. He is an example of the horrific things the darkness of a human heart can bring about. The truth of what is in a person's heart will inevitably be revealed. This was certainly the case with Judas. He did not stumble into betrayal. His actions were the culmination of a prolonged process. He didn't start following Jesus around with the idea that in three years Jesus would be viewed as enough of a threat by the religious leaders in Jerusalem that he would be able to sell him out for a month's wages. What is disturbing about Judas is that something changed in him that led to this act of treachery. There are those that debate what his motivations were. What was he thinking? What changed? The fact is, we don't know. It is easy to dismiss him as purely evil. Thinking this way is comforting. We like our villains to be uncomplicated. We don't want to feel any sympathy for them. We don't know what Judas was thinking. We do know the actions, his thoughts, led to. 
I am sure Judas had his reasons. Normally when people sin in big or small ways, they have an argument that justifies their actions. This goes all the way back to the garden. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake. After World War II, Nazi guards from concentration camps said they were just following orders. Humans have an incredible capacity to justify their actions to themselves. Rioters this summer and rioters at the Capitol last week both had their reasons for physically assaulting police officers that were present to maintain peace and order. We don't know what Judas' reasoning was. We do know that after he was the, after Jesus was condemned, he realized he was wrong. Matthew tells us he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. Judas' betrayal must have been a shock to the other disciples. This was a guy they, they thought they knew. He wasn't just betraying Jesus, he was betraying each of them. The other disciples could easily be arrested or even killed because of the crowd Judas brought. We see in verse 49 that the disciples think this is the case. When you read about soldiers in war, you will often hear about the camaraderie that develops. It is not unusual to hear soldiers say after they've been in a war zone for a while that they no longer fight for their country. They fight for the man next to them in the foxhole. Judas betrayed the other disciples who were like brothers to him to almost the same extent he betrayed Jesus. Unfortunately, we will all probably be shocked by someone we trust completely at some point. We consistently underestimate the power of sin. Given time, sin left undealt with will take over a person's heart. It will eat away at all that is good. It will replace it with evil. Sin changes who a person is. It will make a person you thought you knew into a villain you have a hard time imagining. There is no limit to the havoc sin can wreak in a person's life. Judas' thoughts changed him in shocking ways. He became a villain. When he realized who he had become after the fact, he couldn't live with himself. When sin takes over, 
the life of someone who claims to be a Christ follower like Judas did, it is especially disturbing. Most everyone has experienced this before. I have seen it happen several times with people I care about over the years. Christians that have walked away from their faith seemingly without remorse. The most traumatic example for me was a guy I was friends with in high school. He was like a brother to me. He seemed to have a living faith and then proceeded for about a decade to live a lifestyle that would make the prodigal son blush. Thankfully, he, have, he actually repented after many years. He recognized his need of Christ. I have other friends that I thought they were Christians, but it doesn't seem like they're ever likely to return to the faith. When someone we care about turns from their faith, it brings up these questions. We want to know, were they ever really a Christian in the first place? Did they lose their faith? Were they pretending the whole time? We can't know what is happening in a person's heart. All we can know is how they're living. If someone lacks any evidence that they have faith in Christ, we have to take them at their word. We have to treat them as if they don't. In such cases, it is, it is right to grieve. We also must recognize <clears throat> our grief is for someone that no longer exists. The person we must deal with is the person in front of us who is so controlled by sin that they have denied Christ. What ultimately determines the status of a person's heart is their relationship to Jesus. Sin makes people selfish. A selfish person's commitment to any particular thing is contingent on their belief that following through on that commitment is beneficial to them. At some point, Judas' heart had been overtaken by sin. When he determined Jesus' kingdom was not going to benefit him, he made the business decision that best suited him. Selfish inclinations are kept in check not by the inherent goodness of men or through commitment to some truth, but in response to social pressures. Nobody wants to be known for cheating on their spouse. Pride is often the primary reason most people don't betray. Most people are unaware of why Benedict Arnold betrayed the United States back in the Revolutionary War. Throughout the first part of the war, he was a hero. He participated in the siege of Boston after the Battle of Concord. He assisted in the capture of Fort Ticonderoga, leading an attack on Quebec through the wilderness of Maine and fighting 
at Saratoga. He was wounded multiple times in the left leg. But Arnold, he didn't feel he was properly appreciated. Multiple times he felt slighted by Congress and others. Eventually his wounded pride caused him to be a willing participant in a scheme to turn over his command at West Point to the British. If a couple of interactions had gone differently, Benedict Arnold would still be celebrated as a hero of the revolution. Unfortunately for him, circumstances developed in such a way that his heart was revealed. A heart ruled by sin is primed for betrayal. We should never underestimate what sin can turn a person into. Given the chance, sin will turn anyone into a villain that's difficult for us to imagine. The fact is, we all have a capacity for betrayal and villainy we can never imagine ourselves capable of. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? When I was a kid, I used to think how terrible Judas was. How awful. How could he betray Jesus in the way he did? Turns out every person has the potential to act in the way that Judas did. There, but by the grace of God, go I. It is easy to look down on Judas. His actions were evil. We would do better to appreciate the grace that keeps us from being like him. Only through grace are we kept from betraying Christ in our own lives. Our relationship with Christ keeps us from becoming the villain we despise. The most striking line in today's verses is Jesus' response when he sees what Judas has become. He asks, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Listen to Jesus' tone there. He doesn't sound angry. He doesn't sound genuinely surprised. We know he wasn't shocked. Earlier that evening, the last time he saw Judas, Jesus made clear he knew what was coming. More than anything, Jesus sounds sad. Sad for himself, but sad for Judas as well. He knows the full impact of what Judas is doing and what it will mean for him. At this moment of absolute betrayal, Jesus is sad for the one who sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus responds to our betrayal with the same mercy. Every person here has at some point betrayed Jesus. 
We have walked away for our 30 pieces of silver. We have refused to acknowledge his authority in our lives. We have worked for the kingdoms of man that resist him, thinking that we could gain some temporal benefit from doing so. Every sinful act is a betrayal of God. God's desire expressed through Christ is, res- is to respond to our betrayal with love and understanding. No matter what we have done, Jesus is willing to forgive. He would have forgiven even Judas. Psalm 103 Verses 10 through 14 describe the forgiveness God shows through Jesus stating, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace. We are rightly horrified by Judas' actions in these verses. There are a lot of terrible things recorded in the pages of Scripture. Judas' betrayal may be the worst. His betrayal helps us see what the sinful heart of man is capable of. Grace is what keeps us from becoming like Judas ourselves. Through a relationship with Christ, the heart of man is changed. Christ is willing to respond to our betrayal with forgiveness and love. The final lie that Judas believed was that his sin was unforgivable. He thought after betraying Jesus, there was no turning back. That is never the case. However terrible the sin, the grace of God is always greater. We can bring our betrayals to the cross knowing that they will be forgiven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, for many of us in this room, thinking about betrayal calls to mind friends and family who, we, who have betrayed us or who, have we, who we have seen betray you, Lord. I pray for those individuals, Lord, I pray that they would see that it is never too late to repent. It is never too late to return from their sin, Lord. I pray the same thing for us. I pray that your grace would counteract the sinful tendencies that are continuing arising in us, that 
can easily turn us into villains that are beyond what we could imagine, Lord. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace, and we thank you that when we do fall short, when we do betray you by choosing the kingdom of this world over your kingdom, Lord, that you are ready and willing to forgive us. I pray that we would seek that forgiveness, that we would fully turn our lives over to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We will now